Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do. Thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine. Yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to Chapter 90 of the Corona Diaries. And you know what that means, don't you? We're on the gin. (laughs) What that means is that mm. there's two faces on screen. So obviously H is there. I'll come to him in a minute. But Dave's back with us. Dave, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, no complaints. Are you sure? No. Well, of course, I've got millions of complaints, but... Yeah, yeah. you wasted yeah, you, on you, us, though, Dave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just to confirm, this is a work event, isn't it? The email that came across didn't mention booze. Oh, uh, so we're all well, fine. Not to, not to oh, date. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, mine's alcohol-free anyway, so it's... Are you alcohol-free? Oh, right. Yeah, oh, God, I have been for years. Well, right. since marbles. <laughs> 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 Funny coincidence, that. I don't, I don't remember anything coming to a head during marbles. No, just after it, you should... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, we're going right. to get on to marbles. Yes. That's 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 the reason you're here. Well, you're here because it's a special episode as well, because it's an episode with a zero, so we're on 90, mm-hmm. and we always try and have a special guest. Mm-hmm. And, and making your third appearance, third or fourth, is it, is it fourth, this? Uh, I think third. it is. Third, yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's third, because I just labelled it, yes, third. Ah, He's but I think we might have got fourth. two episodes out of one recording. Oh, Hence the confusion. Hence the confusion, folks. Is it 19 or is it 20? Who knows? But there but there we are. So let's let's actually H you better ask how you are. How are you? I'm um very well, thank you. Yes, I'm lovely. Lovely. Perfect. <clears throat> I don't know. It's what time is it? Oh, it's, it's quarter past eight. Yes. Quarter past eight. Well, nobody knows how they are at quarter past eight at my age. <laughs> I'll also have to keep you updated, actually, as we go along. Sheffield United are currently 1-0 up against Preston North End, I think. Oh, what a good that... job you said. Yes. So just I'll, I'll make sure you're in that particular loop, because that's what I would have been doing if I wasn't doing this. So 1-0 <laughs> up at the moment. Jaden Bogle scored. Not, no idea about anything else but that. Right. So we're going to talk about marbles. Um, and... Um, Am I right in saying, just just if we start from the outset, Anorachnophobia, I think, was released 2001, and I think you start work on Marbles 2002, and it takes all of 2003 and eventually gets released in 2004. Is that right? Uh, I thought it was released in 2005. I think it's four. I'll 2004. I'll it, was released, it was released on my birthday. I know that. But... What was it? Yeah, to the 3rd of May. Oh, I didn't know. All right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a poster, a release poster, and it's, it's on it. Hmm. Uh, Was that done on purpose? Of course not. 
It was just a pure... for tax reasons, knowing <laughs> something to do with Ian. <laughs> it was two thousand and four, according to Wikipedia. Not to say that Wikipedia. Oh, oh yeah, no, right. you're you're right. You're right then. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we've got it down as being recorded, racket, and it was two thousand and two, two thousand three, and two thousand and four. So I'm assuming it was towards the end of 2002 when you started, all of 2003. I think it was com- – was it virtually completed by the last bits in 2003 and then out in 2004? Yeah. yeah. So it was – I mean, the end was a bit of a panic. Right. But, um, yeah, I think so. See, because it was – one thing I'm confused about in memory is after Anorak – I'm sure the band went off and did some time somewhere, not real world, somewhere else, and came back with a few tracks. Am I right in thinking that, or is that wrong? I Steve. don't even know whether we did Anorak before um, before Marbles or after it. Oh, God. <laughs> right, okay, you did it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did we really? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. after Anorak. Yeah. After Anorak, yeah. But fairly close together, so you could be forgiven. But what you're saying, Dave, is you think somewhere probably 2001, maybe early 2002, yeah, yeah, they disappeared yeah. off for a bit of writing. Just on a writing, a writing session thing type thing. Right. Okay. And, uh, I remember yeah, being out in, um, in Sir Wilcox's place. Where's for a that? While. That is out in um, Bath and Keep Going. In the oh, West Country. Oh, Bath. That, yeah, because I remember it could have been in Bath, actually, yes. And I, think cause, I don't know if you were there, Dave. No, I wasn't. I don't know I wasn't, if I wasn't. you came to that, but but we went. We did go out that way and yeah. uh, did a bit of writing. He had a yeah. studio. Uh, Sill manages the Stranglers. Oh, and, yeah. And yeah. uh, he's he'd got a he'd got a little rehearsal space out there with some rooms, and so we went out there just to live and try and try and write together. Yeah. And I remember the you know, the main verse idea for Neverland was hatched there. And Don't Hurt it's, Yourself might have come from there as well. It might have done you might have done yeah. and uh, I don't know where don't know at what point Invisible Man started coming together. Oh, that wasn't that was Racket Club, and that was the, later. The, you were in yeah. on that from the ground floor, weren't yeah. You? And, the, and that was words. The, the words you had the words for that way ahead of everything else. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, yeah, but, but those... right. So we've established there was a bit of a writing sesh somewhere in between, yeah. probably after Anarachnophobia tour. Yeah, before you tour, actually so. then congregate. In, in Racket for... Right, so here's the thing then. If either of you remember, post-anarachnophobia, was Dave always lined up for the next album? Or... I wouldn't have thought so. I don't <laughs> think so. What, because no, 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 I don't mean that in a sort of a negative out. way. But no, but I think that was the whole reason for the little writing bit, was right. just so that I didn't jump in straight away. Right. And that you had some sort of a... Sort of cleansing process right yeah, the, way, the way i remember it you know the working with dave again was pretty nailed on um i don't think anyone in the band had any notions of doing doing another doing a record with anyone else so maybe it was just that we went away to try and um get our, our 
mm. thoughts and our demos and our jams yeah, together. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that uh, at least we've got something half decent to drop yeah, in yeah, exactly. the poor bugger's lap. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to use Dave's phraseology, a cleansing, which I'm, I'm, I'm preferring to think of like a sorbet rather than irrigation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. But, yeah, but and also to, it also would help them to... At least, like exactly as Steve said, to have something to hand over rather than just starting cold. Yeah, you know, because it then it, it it hopefully would inject speed into the project. But right, yeah, okay. and there was all, always there's always been a feeling whenever we've made records that that there's a lot of ideas left over at the end yeah. of the process. But then there's equally always a feeling that. Um, the band doesn't really want to start from that point. We want to go and we want to go and create and mess about and try and find some new things, so that you know the, the new album represents where we're at at that moment in time, rather than click, cleaning up after the last one. Yeah. You know, even yeah. if those ideas are really strong, there's right. always a feeling that that. Let's let's look at those ideas last of all. You know anything we had from the last one? Yeah. Let's not start with that. Let's start with something new, and then go and have a look at the other stuff once we've got some kind of context. So I think that was probably why we went away. Mm. Right. So you think while you're away, you think Neverland had some kind of form to it? I remember specifically that night happening. Yeah, because I was off my blinking head. And I was, I was there for, well, I was very enthusiastic. I mean, right. it's, a, it's an idea worth being enthusiastic about. Yeah. yeah. But I was even more enthusiastic than that. Right. <laughs> I remember. I remember just thinking, this is the best thing ever. I was in that kind of mood. You were enthusiastic <laughs> off your tits. Yes. I was, I was yes. Right. Okay, so Netherland happens in this space, and Dave, you th- you're thinking that you're gone, maybe with something that was there when you then rejoined and became part of the process. Ah, no, you're gone. No, I remember that as well because yeah. Rothers had a Rothers had got Logic, and he'd found this chord machine thing yeah. in Logic. Uh, where you can program one note on a keyboard to play several notes, mm. and so being a guitarist and not and not a keyboard player, really, he'd program different notes onto onto different note different chords, chords. onto different notes of the keyboard because he thought it might be quite interesting to play random notes and sort of have random chords, chords. come out. And he found this little thing that that then became the verse of "You're Gone," um, and he definitely had that down in the West yeah, Country yeah, as well because yeah. we were we were faffing about with that. Yeah, um, and I think we probably we probably had you know verse and chorus of "You're Gone" at that point down there in the West Country. I think we think think I hung that chorus on it. Um, so those were the two I remember most of all. I think we all got we all gone in Neverland, and may, yeah. yeah, and maybe don't hurt yourself. I think we had elements of that. Yeah. And I've been listening to a lot of Rufus Wainwright, 
um, at that point, and and that Poser's album of his, and there's a song on there called Greek Song, which is kind of you were born with it, and you showed it to me, to me after now, um, and that kind of inspired the. Uh, that sort of interval from La La to La La. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was sort of inspired by the. That, that sort of interval, that sideways interval. Uh, although it's nothing like it, it inspired it. It was me yeah. faffing about trying to work out what Rufus had been doing ah. and then ending up doing something else entirely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I. I, that did that song, uh, Greek song on Poses, most definitely directly inspired Marbles one. Yeah, yeah. For the yeah. Uh, for the train spotters out there, right? And there are a few of them. Um, <laughs> so you've arrived with so at the point, Dave. You now get involved, and everything moves to the to racket. Yeah, and, and we get. I'm assuming we get into the not as simple no? as that. Okay, no, because. Uh, what happened first was we rebuilt the studio. Uh, got the new desk from Roger Taylor's place. Yeah. A bit of new album. when we bought built. the desk. So this was going to be the first album that I'd done with them that was actually recorded on a proper desk. And, uh, yeah, so it was... It was yeah, and that was a quite... It took weeks to do, to get all that together, didn't it? To get the, well, the it's oldest... never worked since. I know that. I know it that. Worked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> worked for that album. Yeah. Well, we last time I went coffee. up there, it was a table. <laughs> it was... It's a very expensive, it's a table. heavy table now. I've yeah. only ever known it as a table. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, God. I love the sound of it, but yeah. <laughs> Still sounds great when you knock your knee on it. <laughs> <laughs> it just, just channels just wouldn't work. I remember that as well. That was quite a nightmare, but... But no, but it was it was the first time we had sort of a full, proper desk, traditional type setup. Um, yeah, and that that took a few weeks, and we rebuilt all the outboard gear and added a few bits and pieces and stuff, and a few extra mics and things. So it was, uh, it was straight away it was being approached differently before we even started any of the jamming sessions or anything. It was, uh, it felt like a different place. Although it was the racket club, it definitely felt like a different machine. Because mm. that desk really occupies half of that control room, doesn't it? All of it, really. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's huge. It. I mean, because the control room really is that desk and a sofa, a sofa and a link between the kitchen and the rest of the building. Yeah, oh, Mike's bedroom wasn't it, or is it still Mike's bedroom? <laughs> no, we've moved him. Oh, have you? <laughs> Into a yeah, caravan is he outside now. <laughs> He's in the lower field. Yeah, oh. How is the drainage in the lower field? <laughs> right, okay, so we're on this big desk that manages to work for one album. Um, was it expensive? Oh Christ! Yeah, yeah, I would have thought so. Desks oh, okay. usually are, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Did any good? Oh, it was lots of zeros right. in the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And did Rog not offer any kind of, you know, money back guarantee? <laughs> uh, no, no. All the Cadbury flakes you could eat. I think that was that was all we could have. Right. 
<laughs> he used to go out with the flight girl. That's a bit. That's oh, a bit. Yes. That was yeah, a bit yeah. of a niche joke. That one. Ah. But he did go out with the, one of the girls from the Cadbury Flake advert. Only the crumbliest, flakiest chocolate. That one. Indeed. Oh, okay, show <laughs> my age. Right. Uh, fine. So you've got this desk occupying mm. half the room, uh, yep. and you're recording in a in a normal kind of a what is a more traditional kind of manner. Ex- yes, except for the fact also. We started using Logic, so it was going into an audio system rather than a tape machine. Right, so still rooted through the desk, but going yeah. down onto going down onto disk via a computer. Co- go, yeah, which is a huge had a huge bearing on everything. Yeah, because well, was straight away when jamming started, it, all jams were multi-tracked anyway, uh, and you could. St- do anything with them. If if something was brilliant in a jam that could never ever be recreated, you then knew, well, you've got it on multi-track. You don't have to recreate it. If it's brilliant, then just use it. Right. So there was a whole other dimension as well as of capability and um, what you could also do with those ideas uh, that you couldn't, wouldn't have been a simple job on previous albums. It would have been right. a big sort of a, to try two ideas together or roughly edit them together or something, it would be quite technical, whereas it's dead simple now on the new system we had. So, hang on a minute, 2002, you're pushing the boundaries then of computer technology at this point because we were only into about 24 tracks simultaneous recording back then. Yeah, because they just, the band had just bought the Focusrite Reds. Right. So we were right at the top of the... What yeah. was available, yeah, uh, and yeah, yeah. So we we were yeah up with everyone else, definitely. Right. Okay. Put that. Just just as a point, a bit of an explanation for those people that aren't geeky about this kind of stuff. I'm afraid I am a little bit. So back then, now you can pretty much record an unlimited amount of tracks into a mm. computer simultaneously. Back then, you were limited by the ability to record maybe eight or ten or twelve oh, tracks yeah, yeah, at yeah. the same time. That might not sound like an issue, but it is if you think that you might have six microphones on the set of drums. Yeah, yeah. You might have two or three feeds from a different guitar. You might have... So you those tracks get used up yeah. very, very quickly. And if you're recording everything, so you've got the ability, as Dave said, to use it further down the line, then you have to capture everything, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that was pushing technology back in 2002. That'd be right, wouldn't it, Dave? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we, we could record, I would think, about 48 tracks simultaneously. Right, so you really were at the high end yeah, of yeah, what you yeah, could be done. Yeah, right, okay, yeah. fine. So it's it's a mixture of neat of of cutting edge and traditional then. Absolutely, yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. But but, uh, but yeah, and but it, it all for the point. The reason being to just to give freedom to the band to do whatever they wanted. Right. But then, Basically. hang on a minute. For a man like yourself who catalogues everything, keeps everything, yeah. and wants every infinite possibility. To then sweat over, yeah. Does that not? Does that all that freedom and flexibility then not tie you in knots a little bit? Bear in mind, you. No. Right. Okay. You were still okay going opposite. through it all and making decisions and doing all those things. Absolutely. Even yeah, it's a lot easier when right. it's all there because it's there visually, it's there audibly, it's it's everything. It's all got file names. You know, it's it's. You, it's you, it's actually easier in some respects. It is then than just there might be tapes. more of it, but but it's easier. But it's catalogued easier. Yeah, right, okay. yeah. I'm getting that. I'm with you. I'm getting that. Hope this is making sense, folks. But 
Any questions, write them in and, and, and Dave will do an online session for six hours. <laughs> um, so, right, back to H then. So you've come back from the West Country. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and you then deposit yourself in Racket and you, I guess you carry on with what you've already started. Is that right? With Dave capturing stuff now. Yes, I think that's the yeah. way I, I remembered it. I, I, mean, I, I think I'm still in the same corner of that same room. Yeah, you know now. Yeah, uh, that I was in then. Um, I don't know if they've moved me and then moved me back. They might have oh, really? over the years, but I was. <laughs> I think I was still in that same corner that I'm in. I think think when I was right when I was hammering out the. Um, the chorus in Neverland in that room. I think I was still in that corner, probably Absolutely. on this piano. Yep. Um, I've never really changed these either because uh, they haven't invented anything better yet than exactly. the P250s. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting. They've got they've got a pretty good one now, but it's not as deep, so you, there's nowhere to stand your gin. <laughs> so, where... She, <laughs> that way madness lies like yes. all your coffees are going to keep falling off every time you hit a big note <laughs> so uh, they've they've done away with the depth which is foolish yeah right so next question then because i don't know how to follow that um songs are starting to come together and and i don't know if i'm the only one getting slight echoes of brave in this process but at what point did it become obvious that this was going to be a bit of a whopper in terms of mm. amount of material no it, it it's not as a linear line like that at all okay uh the what made it become the big thing was well for a start steve had so many ideas and su- such strong lyrics and melodies were, were just coming from every jamming session there was it was infinite amount of good things you could use, but one thing was the marble lyric uh, that Steve would try it every now and again in different places, and it keeps showing its place, its face. Uh, but it always worked in that melody, the, the, which you now say is the Rufus type one. But the problem was, it was all verses, but it also didn't want to be anything else. Right. So we had the idea to, so you wouldn't lose the idea of of marbles the 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 lyric and the whole image of you everything was fantastic we said we'd split it up into l- snippets and put everything else around it yeah so it was really the, it was really the story of uh, of yeah, it was all true of, yeah, of yeah. the hitting the marbles into the air with the tennis rackets me and my mate john and then uh, not realising that they'd come down. But <laughs> uh, ju- just being so taken up with the, the ha- what a wonderful noise a marble is <laughs> when you hit it with the tennis rack. It goes, and then it would vanish up into the infinite blue. And you just think, that's fantastic. Give us another one. And, and of course, they were coming down through people's roofs and greenhouses and God knows what, all over the estate and, and that. That caused also. Then I was in trouble with my dad, and then my dad gave me marbles away by yeah. by way of punishment. And to make matters worse, he gave, which isn't in the album, he gave them away 
to my arch enemy, uh, <laughs> Russell Homer, who lived up the street. It was this really horrible kid uh, with a horrible mother. And um, so it was a really deep cut. I mean, it was bad enough having your precious things taken away, but to be donated to an arch enemy is, is, <laughs> is, is, is turning the knife. And so uh, it took me a long time to come to terms with that. In fact, I think I was 40 before I forgave him. I didn't know you had a nemesis. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yes, that's a new... That, you see, you find... Discover something new about me every every time I have a gin, really. <laughs> Russell Homer, I couldn't have even told you his name yesterday, but it's, right. it's come back to me now. Right. But it was yeah. Arch Enemy. He was Blofeld to your 007, was he? He was the one whose mother used to take all the balls in. She, You know, she was oh. one of those women that took the balls in if they went in her garden. Have I told you about we, We've had that. Her? We've had that, yeah. And I, me and me and John did a commando raid on her, yeah. on her house and... and liberated all the balls that she'd taken in. Yeah. Uh, well, it was her son that my dad gave the marbles to, which oh, was dear. pretty wicked. By way of trying to appease her, of course, because I think we'd destroyed some of her roof at that point. Um, <laughs> and there was lots. I mean, it was about, there was hundreds. I had one of the largest marble collections wow. in that part of Doncaster. I don't mind telling you. Um <laughs> And so they were all given away. I think I ended up with about three or four. And and so that's where all of this came from. And I had this little story, you know, about mm. about playing marbles and how magical it all was and, you know, that nostalgic sort of looking looking back through the rose-coloured specks at, at, at my childhood down the alleyways in Donny. And... Um, and then the day when we battered them up into the air and then the terrible consequences... And then in much later life, this thought of your marbles as, as the last the last remnants of your sanity rolling around in the back of a tour bus <laughs> 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 was, 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 was... So I was just trying to tell that story in some way. And uh, someone, probably Dave, possibly me, I can't remember, had had this idea of, well, what if we just... Instead of this being a song, what if we just chopped it up yeah, and kept yeah. revisiting it across yeah. the album? Then it would give the album a, a, a sense of a journey. Yeah. But, it get, but the thing that was coming as well is that the fact, it, the, the, the lyrics and stuff that Steve was bringing to all the sessions, there was a, such a, a common storyline through the whole thing. I don't even know if Steve was aware of it, you know, as he was doing it. But it was, um, there was a, they were already tied together. So if, it, in the same way as Brave was, but probably subconsciously, not consciously like Brave was. Because you were basically writing about your life and you. And it's a, but it was it was also to see the first time that the, the lyrics were exclusively Steve's mm. and that was something that I think was worth uh, focusing on because they were so strong uh, yeah I will. And, and that is that is true that was something I was going to come to actually a bit further in but you know this is the first time that the name John Helmer doesn't appear on 
yeah. uh, an album sleeve. Yeah. Um, and if you think as well, I mean, there's, it's not just that you wrote all the lyrics. There's a lot of lyrics in there. I mean, it's a it's a dense, dense, yeah, absolutely, yeah. you know, piece lyrically. Um, so it isn't just yeah. Well, I, I, you know, you did all this one, but it was seven or eight songs, and you know, and they were all they were all you know, two verses, two chorus, bang, we're done. There's, there's, oh. it's a really, really, it's like a book thing. of yeah, but it's also like a book of poetry. It's, it's, it's they're all ten out of ten. You know, there's no weak points whatsoever. Which normally, in an album, normally you have something that I always, uh, I don't really get it, but we'll do it and we make it great and blah, yeah. blah, blah. But with Marbles, it, that was all just done. Hmm. You know, it was, um, I don't know, it's like you put an, an existing story to music. That's basically what it was. Hmm. Because it was such an, an honest writing. That um, that's what everybody else's job was. I think. I don't even know if Steve would have been aware of it, but I wasn't aware of it. No, but it was the band's. It would have been mine and the band's job to make something great of this because you've been handed it on a plate. Yeah. Because I, I, because I, normally I give you hard times, whether it were John lyrics or your lyrics or whatever. I, I quite often give you hard times over certain lines and stuff, but on Marbles it was complete opposite. Just completely turned around. Well, what a shame! I didn't realise at the time. No, because then you would have gone to your head and driven <laughs> everyone mad. I'd have relaxed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, no. So hit the bottle for yeah. the wrong reason. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that obviously the bit where marbles itself in the in the numerous pieces starts to form a backbone to the yeah. to the project then that's what you're saying about it didn't come together linear that 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 happened and it and then everything started to kind of hang off it, it you know almost sub, like you say subconsciously yeah but it was you you should this would be something interesting to talk to the band about because i'm sure they also noticed that there's a very strong line here what steve's writing and it's uh even if even if you didn't do the marbles bits in between each track and you had every other track that's on the the double album it would still all be tied together right because the the lyric line is so strong yeah and it has you know and so accessible as well that um it's not purely down to the marbles bits right okay. that just that that just sort of makes it instantly glued Right, okay. But it would have happened anyway, I think. Right, okay. So, we're in there, it's starting to come together. Any particular bits that are memorable as we go along? Any any moments of, wow. You know, you say Invisible Man came together on in Racket on your watch, Dave? Yeah, yeah but... Dave it, it, arranged that. I remember that slowly coming together. And yeah, it was bits of time. Gaining strength and gaining strength and gaining Yes, because, yeah. again, it was down to, like, Steve would have the lyric and everybody would jam something against the lyric and then sometimes, oh, sometimes even the music would be great, but it's just wrong for the, the words. Mm. And then you're sort of, I well, I was sitting there waiting for the music to suddenly match with words. Then every time that happened, then I tried chopping it into the arrangement or whatever. Mm. So it was I was basically like shooting targets in a way. It was very, it was a long process, but very easy to do. 
because when as soon as the word sounded they were at home, that was it for me. And mm. then it's you found it. There's mm. no question. Whereas uh in other situations it's never it hasn't been like that. Uh and that kind of it, it, it's a slow process, but it's an easy process. Right. You know, because you just have to let people feel it themselves. I mean, even if you look at um Angelina, uh that was I mean done in a day. A Friday afternoon, they had that. You had a little intro thing that ah, that little intro came from Bat. You know, the, the whole beginning of the song is the original recording from Bat, just a two track okay. mini disc. The little descending thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's from Bat, that's never been touched. Then we would start, start working on it, and you just, just started probably two takes, started jamming it. But it was jamming isn't the right word because it it just fell together instantly. You just started play playing from you heard the intro bit and then everybody just started up and playing, and and I recorded everything, and I think about after two takes it was just done. We never went back to it really. Did a bit of backing vocals I think, but that was it. You know, and that was all live one Friday afternoon. Wow. Written, arranged, everything, all in one in one go. In one go. Yeah. Just based on something that you brought back with you. Yeah. And then just... They just played it and sung it. And it was all there yeah. in one go. Yeah, all right in the mood, right in everything. So I've now got a little, te- little technical question then. So you talked about Invisible Man being something that you were hanging bits of lyrics off, bits of music, and when you heard oh, yeah. it was right, you would take that bit and you mm. would... You, you would put it in and a little bit jigsaw-esque in terms of, you know, you got the however many pieces it needed to put it all together. So then does that mean that you're saying to the band, okay, well, if we're going to try and make this into one thing, you need to stay in the same key or roughly the same, you know, BPM or did you not even worry about things like that? No, no, no. No, this, that's the great thing about Merillion is that you don't have to stay in the same key or BPM because, if you find something that's two pieces that are great that you desperately link together, well, there's no one better on the planet to find the link than Marillion, really. Because right. even if it's a you know very estranged keys or tempos, there will be a link to be found, and and it may even already exist. That's the weird thing. Right. Like by going through all the old takes and stuff, you might find something to, that acts as the bridge. And uh, like um, Ocean Cloud is very much like that. Loads of great sections and not always easy to put together, but it was in the end. Right. But by okay. finding bits. We've we've been chatting for a little while. I'm going to make a suggestion now. I'm going to make a suggestion that we kind of break for a bit of diary. And the other suggestion I'm going to make is, because I've got a load of other questions I want to ask, that we actually start recording again. And I think we'll do this over two episodes. Might as well do a double album over two episodes. Seems to make sense. <laughs> double so, album. There's no stopping him. There's no stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what happens. It's all right. You don't. It's all right. You don't have to mix it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somebody yeah. made the mistake of asking Dave a question, and here we are. Um, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll go off for a bit of diary. Yeah. Um, and I think H, you're going to go to Padstow. Oh, am I? Did I end up there? You ended oh, up in Padstow, and, and I read a bit of it today. For some reason, you just decided you were going to go. I did, yeah. It was and you just went. In the moment. 
Yes. I just went. You just went. So yeah, yeah. I I I, I set off about eight o'clock at night in a jeep. That's that seems to be the the, the long. The family was out, and I just thought I should do something radical. So so I just got in the jeep and drove to Cornwall. As you do. So, <laughs> so we'll go, we'll go and hear about Padstow. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to we'll we'll have a bit of a chat about Padstow and a few questions on that. And then the next time you'll hear Dave's voice, even though we're going to record it now, you'll oh. you'll hear Dave's voice in episode 91, and we'll carry on the Marbles tale. But in the meantime, mm. all you need to remember is it's jam first and then cream second because we're going to Cornwall. Uh, let's all unite and let's all unite for summer is a coming today that's what they sing oh. while the os dances clap, 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 clap. great pagan festival <laughs> <laughs> Nineteen ninety-nine, Friday, thirtieth of April, Padstow, Cornwall. Arrived home from the studio around six and spent an hour fiddling about in the back of the jeep, trying to fasten the rear speakers down a bit better. They're buzzing around whenever any loud bass frequencies come through them. I eventually calmed them down in between defrosting Marks and Sparks chicken curry and the microwave. Today is the last day of April, and I was still trying to decide whether or not to go to Cornwall. There's a town called Padstow, which has an old pagan fertility ritual on the 1st of May, a celebration of the coming summer. It's customary for the children and the young women of the town to wear white. The streets are decorated with coloured flags and with the branches of sycamore trees which are fastened to the lampposts and buildings. A street parade goes on all day, consisting of drums and accordions, which play an old traditional summer song. Let's all unite and let's all unite, for summer is a-coming today. Round and round, the same song all day long. Amid the banging of drums and the wheeze of the accordions, dances the os, from obios, or hobby horse. The creature consists of an apparatus attached to a strong and fit Cornishman. Around his shoulders he carries a horizontal wooden disc which drapes a skirt from its circumference down to the floor. This skirt conceals the dancing puppeteer within. Above the disc his head is concealed by a conical hat and mask. At opposite sides of the disc's circumference is a stylized horse's head and tail. The whole thing is shiny black, apart from the mask, which looks tribal and slightly African. As the os creature dances, the horse's jaw makes a wooden snapping sound, more like a clacking noise actually, and somehow unnerving. It is traditional for the maidens of the town to dance before the os to tease him and to tempt him. And, should the os capture a maiden beneath his skirt, then she will fall pregnant within the year. So the May Day festival here works on a number of levels, from the fun-for-all-the-family street party concept, all the way down to strange pagan goings-on, ancient magic and bestiality. 
Not being initiated into the more intimate Cornish customs, I'm happy to be carried along on the vibe and to be at the seaside with the pubs open all day. We came here as a family last year and had a good time. This year I am alone as Sue and the kids are visiting her parents in South Africa and the weather forecast good. So around 8pm I made my mind up and decided I might as well have a small adventure. I hurriedly ate my chicken curry and threw a few things in a bag and by 8.30 I was on the motorway. I was planning to be outside the Golden Lion in Padstow in time for the first singing of the song at midnight. Unfortunately, I underestimated the journey time and I had to slow down a little when I ran into some fog on the road through Bodmin Moor. I suppose three and a half hours was a little optimistic and so I arrived, too late, at 12.30 where the streets were still thronging with people who were all drunk and staggering about. I wandered the streets, hoping to avoid a fight, and it soon became apparent that the B&Bs were all closed for the night, and silent. No matter, I was mentally prepared for sleeping in the jeep, and had come prepared with Pillow and Niles Duvet. I found a car park and spent an uncomfortable but bearable night, squashed into the rear space of the jeep. I slept fairly well until around 3am when a local vagrant arrived in the car park and started a drunken rant, telling us we were all fucking tourists and that we should fuck off out of it, etc. I imagined the occupants of the various motorhomes and caravans parked in the car park, cowering in the dark, like me, and hoping they weren't going to have to get up and have a scrap with him. He eventually lost interest and I went back to sleep and didn't bother to stir until around 9am. Saturday, 1st of May, Padstow. I walked down into the town which was already humming with the sound of drums and accordions. I bought coffee and rolls in one of the little shops and had breakfast down on the harbour wall. The sky was shrouded in a grey mist which took the whole morning to clear. But now, at 12.30 as I write this, the sun is just beginning to break through and we may yet see some blue sky and sunshine before the day's out. At 11, I watched the Red Oss emerge from his stable at the Golden Lion amid the clamour of the tourists and the singing of the locals. I also did a little shopping at Rick Stein's Delicatessen where I bought a crab pasty for the journey home and a teapot for Diz. I treated myself to another fleece at the surf shop and only just resisted a couple of paintings in the local gallery. Wandered up to the ship inn and bought a pint of lager. People must be constantly pouring into the town because the whole place is heaving now and you can hardly move in some of the narrow streets. Getting served wasn't easy. I get the feeling some of the locals might not have stopped drinking at all since yesterday. Occasionally, brilliant characters wander by. Just now, a man with a bushy beard wearing a peaked captain's cap, which is decked with spring flowers. Children pass by me carrying balloons, which occasionally burst and make me jump, mindful of the three recent nail-bomb attacks in London. Last night in a gay pub, the Admiral Duncan in Soho, killing two and seriously injuring many more. We're living in violent times. As I sit here in this beautiful and beautifully sozzled Cornish fishing town, our air force is dropping bombs on Kosovo and Belgrade, 
while on the ground Serbian troops busy themselves systematically murdering and burning their way across Kosovo to rid the region of non-Serbs. I thought it couldn't have happened again in Europe. It's chilling to think that we're all much closer to the abyss of war and the obscene spectre of genocide than we ever imagine. Well, the sun broke through and we had a sunny blue afternoon. I returned to the jeep to drop my shopping and then back down to the harbour where I ate fish and chips out of newspaper and found a place to sit where I could catch the sunshine and watch the party. All the young people were either in love or drunk or both or lying around feeling sick from the night before. People of my generation were out with their children trying to perform that rare balancing act between having a good time and giving the kids what they want. I, on the other hand, could just do as I pleased, but, ironically, I began to feel there was nothing here for me to do. I had a short but pleasant conversation with a couple who recognised me and said they were at the Walls gig, H-Brand, in Oswestry, last year. They invited me to come over tonight for a barbecue, but I declined as I was beginning to wish I was at home. I made my way back once again to the jeep, stopping to watch the oss and the drums which were now beneath the maypole, a large mast in the centre of the square, decorated with flags and hoops of flowers, a wonderful sight against the blue sky. The song was still being sung. I watched for a while more before stepping into a record shop where I bought the Beach Boys Pet Sounds and the best of Prefab Sprout CDs to play in the car on the journey home. As I stood in the car park on the hill, I took a last look down at the town below, the thumping revelry still echoing upward from the walls of the flint cottages. The buildings looked drunk too, seemingly jostling for position and crookedly crowded onto the hilly streets, and beyond them, the quiet sea. I drove back worrying about the stereo, which still doesn't sound quite right, and taking painkillers to ease a developing headache. I arrived home at eight in the evening and sat down on the sofa with a beer, Rick Stein's apple pie and a dollop of clotted cream. On my way to bed, I realised I hadn't checked the answering machine. There were two messages, one from my mum to see if I was OK and one from Nick Belshaw's wife, Debbie, saying, Guess where I am? I could hear the sounds of drums and accordions in the background. I'm in Padstow! You missed it! And we're back. Oh, I'll do sorry, that again, I won't talk over that. Again. No, it's all right. I'll do it again. It's fine. I might keep it in, but I'm going to do it again anyway. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> hey! And it's the morning after the night before. Uh, not the night I should before. Go arr, arr. <laughs> yes, but yes. We've just been to Padstow, and last arr. night we were, we were Dave Megan. That um, could be. Just so you know where we're at. So, so come on then, Padstow. It, when I read the section, um, I thought, grief, what's happened between, between last year and this year that he's, that he's on his own and he's making random trips to Padstow? Had he, had he had a breakdown? Um, no, I think Dizzy had gone to South Africa to see her mum and dad. She, I think she'd taken the kids. I think I was on my own. And um, I think I'd been at Racket. I'd been somewhere all day because I didn't even get in till tea time. And I think I made myself a sausage roll or something. And chicken curry just, from M and S. 
and it was um it would have been uh September April. Yeah, it would have been the thirtieth of April. Um it must have been. Because on the first of May every year there's a pagan pagan ritual in Padstow. Um in a kind of wicker man style. And um all the children dress up in white and the the young maidens of the village too. Um and they split into two teams, the the red ribbon team and the blue ribbon team, a bit like Liverpool and Everton or Man U and City. And um there's a thing called an obios which I've talked about in the diary, which is a basically a a sort of pagan um pantomime character i suppose it's supposed to be a horse looks nothing like one it's just a big sort of big um curtained disc uh with a with a strange horse's head which looks probably more like um a punch and judy crocodile than a horse and has that kind of snappy sound when its Mm. jaws snap and from uh first of all on the around midnight of April the thirtieth, um, the people who know gather around this pub in Padstow and sing a song. Um, and the uh, the pub opens the windows at midnight and and hands beer out into the street, which they thereby maintaining the popularity of the ritual uh, year on year. Um, so you go there. What's the pub called? It's it's the and there's these two pubs in Padstow, and they are also the stables of the Oss. So there's a pub that has the red Oss stabled in the back, and there's a pub that has the blue Oss stabled in the back. And uh, I think the blue Oss is ten, 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 tends to be more of a Tory Oss, and the red Oss tends <laughs> to be a bit more more socialist in its leanings. And um, the reason I know all this is because. We had a tour manager called Nick Belshaw, who I've often spoken about, who who then went on to work with with all sorts of luminaries, um, and, and and Nick tour managed us on the Brave tour, and his wife Debbie, Debbie Horton, as she was uh, before marriage, um, grew up in Little Petherick, I think that's. What what it was called, which is just down the coast from Padstow. So she knows all the Padstow goings on, which include um, the dancing of the Oss on, on May Day and also um, Darky Day, which is a bit controversial, that happens on the, I think that happens on the 1st of January, where everybody blacks up which is extremely, you know, politically incorrect. It causes all sorts of trouble with the media. But there is only one black bloke in Padstow, and he he whites up, and they all go to the pub and get sloshed. Um, so 1st of Jan is, <laughs> 1st of Jan is darky day, where all the Cornishmen paint their faces black and go and get sloshed. Um the painting of the face has nothing to do with anything except providing a good reason to get roaring drunk. Um, but anyway, Darky Day is a thing. All the Cornishmen black their faces up on the 1st of January, go to the pub and get hammered. Um, 
So uh, what with the witchery and the uh, obiotery, it was right up my street, having the free drink. Um, so I thought, sod it, I'll get in the, it was the 30th of April, I'll jump in the, uh, uh, we had a Suzuki Jeep at that point, a white one, so I jumped in the Jeep, drove to Cornwall, I think I set off about 8 o'clock at night and got there just before midnight, um, went to the pub, sang the song, had a beer and slept in the Jeep in the car park. Um, and then the following day, uh, just grooved around in town. I mean, Pat's toe is totally packed on the 1st of May because it pulls the tourists in to watch the people. And everybody sings this song, Let's all unite and let's all unite For summer is a coming today It goes like that. And they sing it round and round and round and round and the arse dances and the the maidens of the village are supposed to tempt the arse by being a little bit flirtatious towards it. And the oss dances, and if the skirt of the oss goes over the maiden, then she will be pregnant within the year. So that was the the old pagan custom. Um, So the maidens dance before the oss, the oss dances about, and uh, occasionally entraps a maiden briefly. There's no dodginess goes on, I I must also explain. Not a lot you can get up to with the bloody great wooden disc on your shoulders anyway. Um, and um, and on it goes. Oh, and everybody bangs drums and plays accordions. It's, there's Half the kids in Padstow can play the accordion because there's an accordion school in the village hall. Um, so the people who can't play the accordion bang on the drums. So it's going bang, 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 wheeze, 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 wheeze. And everybody's singing this song and the horses are dancing and everybody's sloshed. So that's basically what goes on in Padstow on the first of May, and I thoroughly recommend it. Yes, I can tell. Well, while you while you were regaling us, I I checked out the Darky Day um, <laughs> reference um, I, I, all over uh, Cornwall, Cornwalls.co.uk, the, the the Cornwall Guide. Um, and you're right; it's 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 or everything you said is is correct. Um, that makes a change, doesn't it? Um, the only thing, just to bring it up to date, because obviously your, your diary's sort of 20, 24 years ago. Um, God, the, they've, they've since, they have recently changed the name of the festival to Mummer's Day. The, the reason being, um, the, the, it's all to do with uh, performance. Uh, people used to, to disguise themselves. The Blacking Up was disguising themselves. And they would perform traditional plays known as mummers or mumming plays and the idea was if you're in disguise you would lo- you'd lose your inhibitions and you'd perform more outlandishly and they did that in return for food or cash and it uh, but it, but his name has been changed to mummer's day because of the whole sensitivity around uh, the, the language even darky. though when the police have checked it out they've never found anything that would suggest there was anything you know a, no, there's the there's never been offensive. a racist uh, overtone or undertone to any of it. It's just been a piss up, mm. you know. It's, it's never had anything to do with um, with we racism because I've been I've been in the pub when it's all been going on, and uh, it's all it's all just been a lot of blokes sat around getting sloshed. And they do like a drink down there. My goodness, particularly they do. in Padstow, they like mm. it. and that harbour is just. I mean, there's what half a dozen to eight pubs around that little harbour, and it's not a big harbour at all. No, 
No, oh no, it is. It is. It, it's. It, it's. It's a vibe. <laughs> and and it's a pub on each corner as well. If you look across the harbour, there's there's one as you walk in, and then I think it's the 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 key house or the customs or whatever is on the far mm. corner, and then there's another, at least half a dozen in between. Um, well, it's an old, you know, way back, way back uh, fishing, really, forever. You know, the the the, the little fishing boats still go out and and fish, and and Padstow is principally um, a fishing harbour. Um, of course, it's now been sort of taken over, and it's been gentrified, and made famous by Rick Rick Stein, and they call it Padstein. Padstein, now. Um but good for Rick. Seems like a nice fella. Mm, mm. And he's yes. Um, and he's there's all... also the lobster hatch. The, the National Lobster Museum's also there. Of all mm. things, yes. <laughs> of all things, don't know why I remember that, but it is. I don't. I don't know if they sell bibs. I'll check next time I'm down there. When we go to Donny, when we've been out to Donny to the football, we'll then nip down to Padstow. In fact, yeah, because we'll it's Padstow. on the way. It's on the way. <laughs> it is yeah. natural stopping off point. So we'll do we'll do Padstow for for the thirtieth of April if you want. I'd be a scream, wouldn't it? And we I've, can, we I've can... been meaning to go back for. You oh, know, I'll come with you. Oh, I love Padstow. I'll come with you. Mm. I've always wanted to stay at the big hotel on the top of the hill, the Metropole. <sighs> I don't know. Well, yeah. as I say, I was in the back of the Jeep. Yeah. And my finances didn't stretch to uh, five-star hotels. It was just, um, it, was, it was a scary experience sleeping in the back of that Jeep because people kept going by and shouting and effing and blinding. There was an old dosser or something. And it, he kept going by and hurling abuse at the Jeep probably just taking exception to the fact that it was a Suzuki Jeep and it was white, um, n- not realising that I was cowering just on the other side of the metal, thinking, God, I, that nutter doesn't come through the glass because um, I'm not in the mood for a scrap. <laughs> oh, lovely diary section, lovely bit of insight <laughs> into Padstow. I like that. Uh, that's, that's brilliant. I think I um, did see that for photographer, didn't I? As well, is that in there? Um, oh, you know, the royal one. N- um, no, you mentioned somebody who who'd recognised you and invited you to a barbecue. Mm. Yeah, I did get spotted. Somebody. Uh, what's he? What's he called? Um, who was that? The real famous one. Yeah, Lord Lech, le, le, le. Not, Oh, Litchfield. Litchfield, I was thinking of Letchworth. Um, yeah, Litchfield, I think Litchfield went past at one point. You bought the best of prefab sprout. Did I? While you well, were there, which is well, interesting, after we, after we mentioned Paddy last week. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but yes. Anyway, um, I think of something else. The Golden Lion is the name of that pub. The Golden Lion, that's the, Golden Lion. That's the, the Red Oss stables, and that's where you go and sing the song. At midnight. Perfect. So are you doing that song for the Crooncast or are you doing something different? I could do that. Whatever it is, it'll be brief because I've got a lot on. Yeah. Well, you need to get yourself up to Liverpool and go and gig. Well, I've got to rehearse for it as well so that I'm not totally <laughs> oh, shit. Piffle, 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 piffle. <laughs> You'll get loads of support. Everybody's everybody's going to be wishing you well. <laughs> yeah, nobody's going to hear anything anyway. No, if you and... think you're struggling, they'll give you loads of support. <laughs> 
they'll be busy watching those two women fighting anyway during during most of the show. So, so it, it won't really matter if I get the chords <laughs> wrong. I'm just hoping somebody comes, and obviously by the time people hear this, it will have gone. But I'm just hoping somebody comes and puts a single egg custard on the edge of the piano. <laughs> That's all I'm hoping now. <laughs> that will make my that'll make my life that. <laughs> right, I'll let you. I'll let you croon, and I'll catch right, you next then. time. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I really must dash. I've got. I've got to work out all these fucking calls. Let's all unite and let's all unite For summer isn't coming today Thank you to Bud Fien and Dahl Thank you David Wright In the merry morning of May Let's all unite and let's all unite For summer is a coming today Time very much to Steve Sikor, Paul Edmund too On the merry morning of May Us, why us? Mine's a gin and tonic Arr. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.